How do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business advice utterly confusing? Welcome to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that people at any level of business and technology can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holzman. Welcome to this edition of 2020s Enterprise. I'm Sam Holzman. And uh, the topic for today is possibly a bit strange to some of you, and it's titled, Your Business Has an Architecture, But You Know What It Is. And in previous episodes uh, of the 2020s Enterprise show, I talked about enterprise architecture and business architecture and its usefulness in an organization uh, well beyond what a lot of people in the Internet think that business and enterprise architecture is about, which is just technology. And what it really is, is a baseline for addressing and managing change, a baseline for addressing and managing change. If you do not have this baseline, a business or enterprise architecture, a rhetorical question to you would be, well, what do you use as the baseline for addressing and managing continuous change, especially in this hyper-digital competitive world we're in, question mark. It's a rhetorical question, and it really requires everyone from the CEO on down to think about it. What are you using? Well, if you go to one of our previous episodes, you know I was being a bit humorous but very serious. If you don't have a baseline for addressing and managing change, then change occurs in two ways. One is Go for it and see what happens. (laughs) Go for it and see what happens. And the other is throw it away and start all over again. You don't have a baseline. Those are the only things that are there. Well, let's try this. Well, let's try this. Well, let's try this. But also, the other thing we have to recognize is that, yes, these do drive technology. So architectures and actions taken by the business in a high percentage of activities in our organizations today will drive mechanized solutions, systems, uh, is probably what most people think about. Some kind of an application, some kind of a technology that uses the business understanding and mechanizes, you know, that activity there. And so this particular episode, we are going to delve in to what are the actual benefits of having this. And I want to start off with sort of a summary Uh, And then we'll go on from there. Organizations, most organizations, let me qualify, are in a hierarchical structure. There is some executive, and this is true for government too, there's some managing director, there's some secretary of of a department or something like that. And then there's a series of second tier management or executives that are there. And it's a pyramid structure not sounding negative here, but it's a hierarchy that's there. And as as you go down the hierarchy, you get essentially something that I call, unfortunately, functional areas slash silos. This is a natural result of having a hierarchy that's there. People sort of look inward. Um, I look at it and say there's all these multiple tribes in the organization that are there, and not that they're ignoring their neighbors, but they really don't have much time to uh, engage in the neighbors that are there. 
And so organizations have this tribal culture because of the way they're organized. And that's that hierarchical format. Well, to cut across that, we need something that looks horizontal across the organization to understand what's going on. And that's what our view of enterprise and business architecture is. Now, that may be somewhat different as to what some of you are reading on the Internet. And one of the great things about the Internet, of course, is anybody can write anything about anything. And one of the problems with the Internet is anybody can write anything about anything. So our activity in enterprise and business architecture, our organization, EACOE and BACOE, the Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence, the Business Architecture Center of Excellence, looks at this as the baseline for addressing and managing change. And your enterprise, your business has an architecture, as the question goes in the title of this particular episode, but do you know what it is? And one of the things we have to recognize is that you don't see architectures. You see the results of architectures. So if you're in an office building or a home, what you see there is the results of an architected series of activities. And there are multiple architectures, for example, in a home. There is the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. There is the electrical. There is the plumbing. There's the structural. And all of that is mushed together into an overall diagram blueprint and that's built from a series of actions in each one of those areas and there's an overarching view blueprint that sort of integrates all that stuff to make sure that the plumbing lines don't go with the electrical etc etc that's there and that becomes in your home the baseline for addressing and managing change think about that for a moment Where is that support stud so I can put a picture on a wall? Geez, I want to do a little bit of remodeling. Um, I wonder where the pipes are. And then again, you'd go back to the blueprints. So rhetorically, once again, what do you use in your business or enterprise to address and managing change if you don't have that concept of a blueprint? And so more and more organizations are recognizing that enterprise and business architecture, the way we view it, is really the key to addressing and managing change. And it's not just about enabling technology. However, once again, this episode, we are going to look at the next usefulness of these concepts that are there. And the driving need is to enable organizations, information technology teams to quickly, accurately, and iteratively deploy prioritized across the enterprise stable operational excellent business solutions that address the fast-paced changes in the opportunities that are out there. That's really what this is about. And various groups approach the concept and practice of these architectures from different value propositions. Again, coming back to our organization, our practices and methodologies evolve to emphasize the value point of a documented human consumable baseline. And we go even further to say that our business partners need to be able to see this baseline and understand it and be able to use it. And this is not a joke in less than 90 seconds of instruction. 
we're trying to give people a tool that allows them to see what if we do this? What if analysis? What if we change this? What's the impact analysis? What's the impact of this change on everything else that's going on? Once again, horizontally across the organization because organizations are designed hierarchically. So nobody sees the unintended consequences without some baseline that is there. And that will be kept evergreen. And so architecture precedes implementation. Architecture precedes change. After the change is made, the correct phrase is documented. You can't post architect. You can post represent, which is documentation. But architecture is actually the baseline, and it precedes the changes going on in the organization. And as we drive down the life cycle, and the life cycle we look at in organizations, whether they're technology-based or otherwise, is architect, analyze, design, and assemble solutions. Architect, analyze, design, and assemble solutions that are that are out there. And so the output of this is that baseline that we're talking about. And in order to do that, there's a series of clearly defined and understood the phrase that we use, and hopefully it doesn't sound too pompous or highfalutin here, is a series of artifacts, stuff that's out there, stuff that people can use as the baseline. And all of that to put is put together in a formal representation, just like in the physical world, a blueprint is a formal representation into what we call an enterprise or business architecture. And these artifacts enable business understanding business change. But again, this episode, we're going to be looking at the design, development, test, and deployment of accurate and stable technology solutions. And that's one of the results of a well-defined architecture that's there. And this will drive projects or initiatives or phases that are going on. And the definition is much like a periodic table of the chemical elements in chemistry. It provides traceable information for successor initiatives and projects. Hey, this is what we have now. Here's what we're changing. Here's the effect of that. And here's how the goals or strategies of our organization are going to be enhanced, you know, as we move forward. That's, you know, that's there. And each one of these will have defined deliverables. And these deliverables are going to be looked at both by the business understanding and the technologists. And just to repeat from a previous previous episode, there are six defined sets of deliverables that are of interest to both the business people and the technologists. And in no order of importance, the first is an explicit representation of the goals that are trying to be achieved in the organization. The second is the processes that the organization needs or has to perform the various actions that are going on. The third is what we refer to as material stuff. (laughs) The problem is we can't talk about stuff in an organization. That's not cool. Material. Some people use the word data. But in actuality, data is the representation of the things that are of interest to the enterprise that's there. The fourth thing that's interested, uh, of interest to the organization 
are the skills, the talents, and they can be mechanized talents, computer systems, or they could be human talents, of course, uh, that are out there, skills or roles that things play. For example, um, if you go to a bank, a physical bank, um, there is a teller that provides you with money if you give them essentially a check or some means of understanding that you have some money uh, in your account. But you can also use an ATM machine, an automatic teller machine, as sort of a surrogate for the teller that's out there for that particular transaction. So roles can be played both by mechanized activities or essentially human activities. The fifth thing of interest to organizations, especially nowadays in this hyper-digital world, is locations. The various locations that the organization may do business at or may do development or assembly or research, et cetera, et cetera. Locations is a very important thing. In the physical world, it's usually called geometry or layout as to what is going on. And the sixth element, and by no means is it the unimportant element, just because it's number six in my discussion with you, is the concept of events. And as we stressed in a previous episode of the 2020s Enterprise, organizations, once they see these six elements, recognize that they are not process-driven, but actually event-driven. And each one of these gives us a baseline of understanding. They have usefulness that is there for various actions. And in order for us to understand those, once again, sounds kind of simple, we have to write them down in a human consumable manner. This will also drive, and that's the emphasis of this particular episode, the technology that is going on. In other words, it will be purposeful. In other words, what's the goal of the system? To mechanize some business processes, for example, or to do X, Y, Z, uh, however you want to call it. Well, what are the processes we need? So you can see how these six elements play out from a business traceably and transparently, hopefully, to the solutions that are out there. And so what we're going to do now is to talk about some of the advantages organizations can get with these types of approaches. And so this is not by any means um, a, a, a one-off type of bedsheet that's out there. But what we have experienced and what organizations that we've had the privilege of working with have experienced. And some of these are going to be quite dramatic to you, I think. Because what we're seeing here is this concept of whether you use the term agility or flexibility. What we're looking for, what organizations are looking for, is an agile enterprise. Not just agile technology, but agile enterprise to be able to react to change. And as a matter of fact, drive change and drive the marketplace, be able to be the competitor of choice for organizations that are out there, or the selection of choice, or the product of choice. And so we see this concept of agility, not through the eyes of computer systems, but the end game to us is an agile enterprise that is enabled through technology. It isn't the end game that's there. And some things are going to be relatively easy to enable through technology, 
those aren't going to provide much competitive advantage. And some things really take some serious DNA investigation of the organization, understanding the key elements of the organization that makes it unique, and that mechanism is going to provide the competitive advantage. As we often say when we're talking to people, the Internet does not provide you with best practices or competitive advantage understandings. The Internet provides you with published practices. Internet does not give you a competitive advantage. That costs money. As the joke goes, you wouldn't walk into an Apple store and say, hey, uh, let me have one of those iPhones. Well, no, that costs money. No, 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 no. It's free. Everything is free. The Internet's free. Just go out there and look, look for things. Well, as you know, that's a silly phrase. We've got to look at the same thing when it comes to intellectual property or building your competitive advantage. It's going to take resources to be able to do that. And one of the key things is getting your blueprint, getting your architecture, getting your DNA explicit so as so you can review it and modify it as the organization changes. So we're going to take a brief break, and once we come back from the break, we're going to start talking about the points of advantage organizations see using a business or enterprise architecture approach to development of those technologies. See you back here in just a few minutes. Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a Methodology of Business Understanding, Technology Planning, and Change by Leading Enterprise Architect Practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. You 
are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back. In this episode of The 2020s Enterprise, we're talking about this concept of the architecture of the business and its value to the organization, this episode in technology. We've talked in other episodes about the value of architecture from a business and enterprise perspective. But now we're going to talk about what the advantages are of solutions built upon this particular approach, the business architecture, enterprise architecture approach. And these advantages are not in any order of greatness or priority. We're just going to provide you with a list that you may be able to look at and say, you know, that's the key element that I would be looking for if I build or work with somebody to build an enterprise or business architecture. So let's look at these advantages from a solution standpoint. Why the solutions are actually going to be better if we have these explicit representations that are both business understandable, human consumable, and also translatable, transformable by our technologists. So one of the advantages is that the business and technology executives can clearly communicate the priorities that are there. Improve productivity, reduce costs, value your employees are not priorities, are not goals. Being a bit unkind, those are platitudes. Another phrase that's a bit less unkind is it's sort of like a table of contents in a book. So what we have to have besides that is the content. And so for each one of those goals to really be transformable and understandable by both the business and the technologist, we'd want to use the concept of SMART goals. And I'm sure you've heard that phrase a number of times. And generally, the S-M-A-R-T initials stand for, the S stands for, some people say strategic, some people say specific. The M, measurable, generally in agreement of what that is. The A, actionable or accountable. In other words, who's the stucky to meet that particular goal that's there? They are results-oriented. What's the expectation? And finally, the T, time-bound. And again, the previous episode of 2020's Enterprise, we went through this in, in quite a bit of detail. So it's the communication of those goals to be able to be translated into some technologies that are there. And this allows the technology organization to focus on the business needs that impact the business the most, prioritization. So the technology group will inherit its priorities by looking at the business priorities and doing a mapping essentially between the business priorities and how the technologies will support that. Once again, that horizontal view across the organization, getting away from the silos or the functional alignment that we see in most organizations because they are hierarchical that's there. 
And of course, as we go through there, there'll be iterations and ongoing checks and adjustments that go on in the technology as the business direction is changing. Once again, the concept of a baseline for addressing and managing change. So one of the advantages from the approaches that we see here, once again, is the clear communication of priorities and the goals that need to be achieved. And coupled with that is this concept of traceability from the source through the enablement of the solution to address that goal. And some people call it a traceability from concept to customer, C to C. Lots of different approaches. Understanding the business need, how that's transformed all the way down to the solutions that are there. So you can point to a piece of functionality and say that functionality is mapped to these specific goals that we're trying to achieve. Once again, we see that concept of alignment. We talk about alignment lots of times. Question I ask is, well, how do you do that? <laughs> I'll suggest this is a pretty good way uh, to do that. Now, what does that enable? That traceability eliminates a tremendously large amount of contradictions that may occur between projects and clarifies solutions intent, enterprise priorities, and executive sponsorships. Please remember that phrase I've been using, that horizontal view across the functional areas that are out there to optimize the enterprise that's there. Now, of course, these same techniques can be used within one of the function areas with a high degree of satisfaction coming from that segment of the business. But even more powerful would be across the organization as itself as the organization moves into new actions that are there. And one of the third advantages is this concept of understanding. We don't believe that business people need to understand UML and HTML and frameworks and methodologies. It's sort of like, as the old phrase goes, um, watching sausage being made. Now, there may be some people that are very interested in that. But what they're looking at is my view of this blueprint, my view of this house prior to it's built in an understandable format to me and I've got to rely on that transformation group, technologists, to be able to take that understanding and bring a one-to-one relationship to that. And so we have this enabling of both business people and technologies, technologists sharing and using this information and keeping it up to date without a bunch of special tools and stuff like that. I don't get some of these things that's out there. In other words, the business people aren't going to spend time learning some fancy-schmancy technology tool to understand their business. That's ridiculous when you think about it. And that's why we have to look at this understanding as a human consumable element. And they need to be available. These elements need to be available to all persons that are involved in discovering Uh, prototyping, managing, designing, developing, testing, deploying, 
and operating the business and the solutions that are out there. Of course, it goes without saying with, with security requirements that are there. And of course, those security requirements are becoming more and more uh, of an issue for us. And we understand that once these things are explicitly represented, whatever they are, that's where the value proposition is. And we've got to protect that, of course, that's there. So that's why we keep emphasizing this concept of human consumability. It's only as useful as the people looking at it can use it. Duh, as Homer Simpson would say, <laughs> that's there. A fourth advantage that we see here is this, uh, this understanding of confidence in the relationship between the business and technology people that are out there and bringing a cadence in working in a consistent form. There's a consistency that comes along there. There's a consistent cadence, as I like to call it, you know, that is there. And you're going to be hearing more and more that there is a role in the organization that really does this communication and bridging, and we call it the BTP, the Business Technology Partner. And that individual is has a series of hybrid talents of being able to understand somewhat what the business does, not as a business expert by any means, and understands the strengths and limitations of some of the technologies that are out there, being able to represent that in a format that is both understandable by the business people and the technologists for deployment, the business technology partner. Think about a conductor in an orchestra. That's what we're talking about there. The conductor may not know how to play the violin, may not know how to play the oboe. The conductor may not know how to compose the score of music. But the conductor knows the strengths and limitations of a violin, of an oboe, of a bass drum, of any of the instruments that are out there knows the capabilities, once again, the technological capabilities, if I can use that translation, and understands how to interpret the score of music, which would be the representation from the business. And so this role of business technology partnership, which we're going to be hearing a lot more about as we see more and more organizations deploying this concept, gives us that bridge that goes on there. And that also encourages compliance with this definition. In other words, are we translating the business understanding into these technology solutions that are out there? Are we complying with the business requirements? Now, people have different phrases that they use to the word compliance. Some people suggest that word is a, a little bit too harsh. I don't know if it is or not. The business has needs. They are paying money for filling these needs and are we complying with those types of things that are out there? And of course, the other thing we're trying to make sure of is this in this confidence area is the quality of communication is increased without assumptions or gray areas. I don't like this term when I'm in a meeting. Can you live with this? That gives me the gray area, hmm, no, I can't. Either I understand it or don't. That is a phrase that I think is very, very dangerous. Can you live with this? 
Well, what does that actually mean? So if we can bring clarity to that bridge and understanding, I think we go a long way that's there. A fifth advantage that we, we see here is business realizes what expertise they have in their organization and possibly what expertise they would need because they can see how well their business is defined and transformed into technology. In order to do that, we're not talking about training people in new tools and techniques, but in a series of representations to allow, to allow them to recognize how a process is actually enabled first manually. If we can't do it manually, we're not going to be able to do it uh, mechanically. We should be able, we need to be able to go through the steps of placing an order or modifying a, 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 a project or paying a claim, or purchasing potato chips, whatever that process is that's out there, manually describe that, be able to optimize that, and then we can have technology people deploy that. We have to recognize that technology can't simplify the business. The business needs to simplify the business, and then technology can enable that. So it starts off with explicit representations of the business to be able to allow the optimization to occur, you know, as we move forward. The other thing we notice, benefit number six of this approach, is the discovery of previously possibly unrealized or masked benefits and relationships that are out there. Oh, I didn't know that that affected that. When do you find that out? When people start screaming, for example, <laughs> that are out there. And you see this all the time. You see this all the time, especially when it comes to technology. The phrase that I love to use is unintended consequences. But let's elevate that phrase to unintended consequences from the business standpoint, not just from the technology standpoint. We made this business policy change, business policy change. Well, what effect does that have on the technologies that are out there and our business partners and our other folks, other organizations, again, that horizontal view? How did a change in purchasing affect the business strategy? How did a change in business strategy affect the purchasing? How did a change in the mechanization of a specific business need affect the customers. Once again, that horizontal view uh, that we're looking at. And these new discoveries can lead to new opportunities. Oh, geez, look at this. We have this new asset here that we can deploy various ways. New points of leverage that we can bring both to the business and to our customers that they possibly haven't seen before that's out there. So for example, we see these kiosks popping up in, in uh, for example, fast food restaurants. I'm not here to talk about whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. Just think about the precision of that information that's coming in. We know exactly what's being ordered, at a, for example, of, you know, at a fast food restaurant through a kiosk, down to the ketchup and mustard level, if I can use that phrase, when it was ordered, who ordered it, what modifications they made. Think about this from optimization. If 80% of the people don't want pickles on their hamburger, 
look at the business benefit that that's going to come. Why don't we make that quote optional rather than standard because people may be picking it off and we're wasting money. Forget about for a moment the environmental impact and everything else, the social impact of throwing food away. That's another topic for another day. But think about it from a business strategy standpoint when we can start looking at things at that level of granularity and start analyzing the optimization that occurs, not only from a taste standpoint, but also from a standpoint of business strategy. Maybe we could lower our cost by a penny or two, or maybe we can increase our profits by a penny or two when you do that. So there's all these elements that once we start seeing these, these levels of understanding, the tie between the business and the technology, all these new leverage points may occur. And of course, can also look at filling you know, the gaps in, in, in services that are out there. If we can reduce the prep time, for example, uh, other people can do other things that should be provided you know, uh, for other services that are out there. So it's a fascinating thing as we start seeing these explicit representations traced from the business through the technology, the leverage points that we sometimes discover that we didn't think about when we start doing the analysis. But I want to emphasize here, you can't do this after the implementation. You have to look at it from an architecture standpoint, not an implementation, to recognize that the things that I put on a hamburger include pickles, mustard, ketchup, lettuce, tomatoes. You can't say toppings because then you don't know. You need that level of granularity. Once again, the business drives that understanding and, and the technologists have to recognize that le- that level of understanding and precision is required to be able to do analysis after that. So we've covered six points of advantage. We're going to take a brief break and continue on here and talking about the advantages of solutions built upon a business or enterprise architecture. See you back here in just a few minutes. Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, 
The book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back. And uh, the topic for this particular episode is the concept of architecture, the values to the organization, and in this particular episode, the values organizations and technology people see through a real business or enterprise architecture. And we're going to continue on these advantages. We talked about in the last segment six of the advantages that are out there. And what I'm doing in this episode is just listing these for you and discussing each one. They're not in any priority order. And for your particular purposes, you may look at one or few or all of these and say, hey, this is the particular one that really gets me um, uh, hyped about these particular concepts that are out there in my digital world that is continually changing out there. So let's continue on. And we're going to be talking about advantage number seven. And I want to I stress again, just because it's number seven doesn't mean it's seventh of importance. It's a list of things that each organization needs to look at and say, that's the one or those few are the ones that really provide an advantage to me in the organization. And the seventh advantage is this concept that we call a bill of health. Uh, people call it lots of different things that are out there, value propositions, um, you know, that are that are there, uh, quality assurance. And this has to do with how good, in quotes now, is that in implementation, that technology, that enablement actually meeting the goals that are out there. And we can look at it from three dimensions. One dimension is the business value. What's the business value from that particular point of view? So the health of that application, that solution, is really based on the perception of the business people using that solution that's there. A more common bill of health that people look at is the technology component. And we understand that, and that's, of course, very, very important. Um, what is the response time that customers see when they're using that particular technology? And, of course, what would be the business response? How many transactions can this thing address? 
you know, that's out there? What platforms does it work on? All of this technological components that are out there. And the third bill of health is how this particular element, item, technology, deployment can be modified, enhanced, or changed as the business needs change. Once again, the concept of true enterprise agility in this age of continuous digital transformation and change that's out there. And this also allows, again, a a benefit that's there, enables the understanding of the dependency, uncomfortable term, that an organization has in its technology that's out there today. The business has to be aware of this as they're moving forward. It clarifies the hardware and software dependencies that are deployed in the solution as the business needs change. And business people have to recognize there will be obsolescence going on. And we see this more and more. The phrase planned obsolescence is kind of a nasty phrase, and we understand that. But that's a reality that, you know, that's out there. And if it isn't planned, it may just occur for whatever reason that's there. So we have to recognize that things don't last forever. Everything has a useful life that's out there, and they can sort of see what is going on. But what we want to make sure of is that dependency is known by the business and not warned, but recognized that that should be a component of their future strategy that's out there. It also alerts the business to the conditions that are out there in the technology world. For example, the vendor support for this thing, licenses, how many people can use it, the versions that are out there, and we see this all the you know time. You know, the 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 if you're using uh, a package solutions from third-party vendors, what's the update cycle? Uh, what's the learning curve on the update cycle? All these things preparing the business for change because there is a dependency on the technology, you know, that is out there. And the last thing I think business people want to see, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you this Friday we're deploying a new solution here. Um, It's just going to take you a little while to figure this out. Uh, We'll see on Monday. Uh, I'm being, you know, exaggerating a little bit, but that coupling of the business needs and the technology change, there should be some kind of a plan that these particular elements that we thought were not an issue to us hopefully will not be an issue in the future, but we are going to make these changes, possibly because we're being forced to change by an outside vendor or because we choose to because of -of end-of-life conditions that are going on, you know, that's out there. And so a lot of discussions nowadays about cloud computing. Uh, We'll just move everything to the cloud. Look how simple that sounds. I'm just going to move it into the clouds. Okay. <laughs> what does that actually mean from a business standpoint and from a technology standpoint? What does that actually mean to the individual performer, you know, on the business side that's out there? So all of these are what we call sort of a bill of health going on there, um, you know, as we move forward. The eighth advantage that we see is discoveries that systems must be made available for the processes to meet the business needs. Sounds so simple. What's the purpose of a system? At a minimum, to mechanize 
or make easier a certain business process that's out there. And availability becomes very important. You know, paper and pencil is pretty, pretty flexible. But perhaps we're using a different technology called a computer. Well, a computer on your desk is different than a computer um, that's on a laptop, which is different than a mobile device, which is different than the multiple mobile devices that are out there, which is different than a device that's on an airplane that you're flying to that doesn't have Internet access or does have Internet access or has a different screen size, all these other things that are going on. I can go on and on on the technology areas. It's the same process that the business people may want to look at, but all these technologies that are out there. They can discover these various platforms and the need and the differences that are out there. And that'll affect, of course, budgets. If we want to support a particular application, a particular functionality, excuse me, on a particular technology, fantastic. Well, what about the next technology, you know, that's out there? So a lot of us are using, you know, texts, but we're seeing more about voice approaches that are out there. Well, how does that technology play there? So once again, the business and the technologies discover the systems that need to be available and what formats those availability needs to be done to meet the business needs that are out there. Now, the ninth advantage is one of essentially building confidence that there is a roadmap in a plan. Nobody likes change in most cases. We understand that, especially when it looks a little you know, transparent. Um, you know, and I always talk about, you know, houses. We all know that we need eventually a new roof on the house. Not really exciting, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. It serves a tremendous function. And we sure know if that function isn't working that's out there. But it isn't very, you know, glamorous. Now, of course, when we put a new roof on the house, there's interruptions going on for the household members, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we know that that's going to occur. Same thing with mechanization or systems or automation in our organizations. Let's put a plan together so people can sort of see what is going on so that both sides of the equations can understand, hey, you can't put that new roof on Thursday because I've got X, Y, Z going on. Same thing in an organization. Hey, it's, it's the end of the quarter close. We can't really start launching a new application that does tax calculations at this point in time. We've got to wait a little while. We've got all this stuff we've got to do for end of, you know, end of quarter close or something like that. And that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Let's lay all that out so you know the business uh, essentially cycle and we know the technology cycle that are once again, builds confidence in the organization that there's method to the madness out there. There's a plan of attack on these things that are going on. And that comes through a baseline for addressing and managing change. Sorry I keep repeating that, but it's vital. And that comes through business or enterprise, real business or enterprise architecture versus technology planning that's out there. And that's why we're emphasizing this particular approach. So we also have the ability, number 10 advantage, is that we can identify early where solutions may need specific care because of the dynamics of the business that are there. Forget about technological changes for a moment. 
But one of the advantages of a real business or real enterprise architecture is essentially recognizing that we can look at things in advance because we know there will be a high degree of volatility in this particular area. And so the solutions defined there need to have built-in agility to be able to understand the impacts of changes in roles, changes in data, changes in where the deployments occur, uh, technology changes that are going on. Uh, Let me throw some just technology terms out there, bandwidth and mirroring and backups and testing and all these other things that are going on. So all of these things have essentially a ability to talk about these activities in a transparent manner. So in this episode, we've just talked about nine different advantages so far for using an architected approach in an organization, specifically a business or enterprise architecture approach that's there. The concepts of business agility is the key thing. Understanding the business goals and the transformations. Understanding the where used. Understanding the ability to address and look at change before a change is made. Looking at a bill of health of both the business and the technology areas to make sure that all parties understand what is going on through explicit representations that are understandable discovering hidden gems that are possibly out there by looking at relationships that possibly aren't as transparent to us until we see the interactions between organizations and systems you know that are uh, you know that are out there and building confidence that there is a plan of attack that prioritizes business achievements that are out there So we've covered nine of the advantages that we see. And to wet your whistle a little bit, hopefully, in our next episode of the 2020s Enterprise, we're going to be continuing and talking about many more advantages that are out there. And hopefully you can look at these episodes and say those key elements here that we're hearing are the ones that really ring a bell in my organization and one I want to drive forward. So you've been listening to myself, Sam Holzman. This is the 2020s Enterprise. We've been talking about the advantages of an architected business environment in the solution world. Thanks for listening. Next episode, we'll continue on here. Have a great day.